Eagles Entertainment. With the 12th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select... You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast. I'm your host, Fran Duffy, and it is draft week. It is finally here. We've been waiting a full calendar year for this week, and here it is. We're on the doorstep. Now, what we're going to do this week, we're going to have the mock draft extravaganza today, which is one of my favorite episodes to do every single year. We are going to be, quote unquote, joined by 32 different writers, 32 people who cover 32 teams around the NFL to do an entire mock draft. I'm going to be joined by my friend Ben Fennell, and he does not know any of these picks. I know every single pick from 1 to 32. We're going to go through this, and we're going to get Ben's live reactions. We'll analyze. We'll get the thoughts of all the people that make the picks. It's going to be so much fun. We get a lot of intel from this exercise every single year. We've been doing it every almost every single year that we've been doing this podcast. Now, before we get into the show, I want to remind you guys what we've got coming later this week. Obviously, today, we've got the Mock Draft Extravaganza. But for Wednesday morning's episode, we've got a draft mailbag special edition of the show where I'm going to sit down with Dane Brugler and Greg Cosell to answer all of your questions. Where else are you going to get those two guys on one show at the same time? So if you've got a question about a specific player, maybe you want to stack players and see how they rank. You want to know about a team fit, the strength at a certain position in the draft, whatever it is, you can hit me up on Twitter at Eagles XOs. I, or ideally you go over to our Apple podcast page, leave us a review. You have to do this by Tuesday early afternoon, because that's when we are recording for Wednesday morning. If you can get your question in by then on either platform, then we will get it into the show. I can't wait to talk about the draft with these two guys, two of the best in the business who wouldn't be pumped for that. So that show is going to drop Wednesday morning. And then on Friday, Saturday and Sunday mornings, we will have the shows that will be geared more towards our Eagles fans crowd where uh, myself, Dane, Ben, we're going to be breaking down all the Eagles draft picks from the previous day. Ben will be in Cleveland live for the draft working with NFL Network. Dane will be a remote. I will be at the NovaCare Complex in South Philadelphia helping host Eagles Draft Central. But we will get together and record a podcast for this channel each night of the draft. And if you're an Eagles fan, be sure to go check out our coverage of the draft all weekend long over on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Myself, Ross Tucker, Amy Campbell, Dave Spadaro. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be in person for the first time in over a year. I can't wait to be able to interact with my co-host at the desk live in person. It's going to be so awesome. A uh, long time coming. Excited uh, to get back into the swing of things there. Before we get started, I also uh, want to just talk to you guys. If you're just listening to the show for the first time, you're trying to cram before this week's draft. You know, If you think, no, nah, I'll just unsubscribe after the show. The draft's not for me. I'm here to tell you, don't do it. We keep this podcast rolling all year round, and I promise that for all the reasons that you have enjoyed listening to this over the last couple of weeks, we provide that same intel all season long, all year round, because no matter what time of year it is, this podcast transforms its shape and its structure the entire time. Our goal is to make you smarter about the whole process. So if you want to know about the guys that are going to be selected this week and how they're going to impact the 2021 season and beyond, well, we're going to start those draft recaps really in a week a week or so from now. So we're going to be starting that here next week on the show. If you want to learn more about evaluating, I'm going to start my interviews with former GMs, area scouts, longtime uh, media members, guys that have spent a lot of time, spent a lot of hours evaluating college players. I'm going to pick their brains about how they scout guys and at different positions. I sit down with all of the above starting in June. And if you want to start learning about next year's players, well, we're going to be starting that in full in July. So whatever it is, if you, whatever you like, about this process, about the draft, stay subscribed. And we are going to put out multiple podcasts a week all year round. Really, really love what this show has turned into. Uh, obviously, it will take us all the way up to the 2022 NFL draft. You can find it all right here on the Journey to the Draft podcast. That being said, 
Let's get this show going. I'm excited for our mock draft extravaganza. It's time to welcome in my friend, Ben Fennell. On the clock. All right, well, let's get this mock draft started now as I welcome in my friend, Ben Fennell. Ben, uh, this is your first one, I believe. Obviously, you've been on the podcast now for the last couple of years, but uh, usually this time you are uh, getting ready to be on location at the draft, which you are going to be here, uh, be there in Cleveland this week. Um, but it's uh, this will be the first one that you're a part of. I'm excited to, for you to experience your first mock draft extravaganza here on the show. Yeah, new beginnings. A lot of, a lot of time <laughs> went into this, a lot of different bodies and minds. So I'm excited to see uh, what we put together and how crazy or accurate or outlandish this may or may not be. So let's see what we got. Well, what's fun about this is almost every year we end up with some situations where it's like, man, I don't, I, there's no way I could see this guy falling to this point in the draft and going to this team. Last year it was, oh, there's no way C.D. Lamb falls all the way to Dallas and then he ends up with the Cowboys, right? And then what happens on draft night? He falls all the way down to Dallas and the Cowboys mm-hmm. snatch him. Uh, so, you know, there's always those kinds of things. What I like, too, is by getting interviews with people that cover these each of these respective teams, you get some thoughts into – exactly the kind of what the, what the target is for these teams. And last year, not only did we get a handful of exact players, right? So right player, right team, but also just right position, right team. So we're, we're in the wheelhouse. So, you know, I think it was 20, 20 teams out of the 32. So two thirds of the mock draft was right position. And there were a couple that were just, oh, you know, uh, if you swap Isaiah Simmons and Derek Brown, like it was a lot of very, very close calls last year. So I'm excited to dig into this and kind of get your thoughts. Now, um, just to kind of set the ground rules for what I gave all these writers, the writers were all told that this is based off of who the team would pick, not off who they would pick. I want to get insight into what the team's thought process is going into the, into this NFL draft. So it's not as if the writer was making the selection as the general manager. It was important to note that. And then also I wanted to try and get an explanation of the selection any other players that would be in serious consideration, and then just how willing they think the team would be to either move up or down in the draft. So we'll just kind of go pick by pick here. And I'm going to be honest, I didn't feel it was necessary for us to go and get uh, a, a media member to talk about picks one and pick two. I feel like it's pretty chalk at this point. Jacksonville Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence, New York Jets, Zach Wilson. I felt like we could put that to bed and get right to pick three. You feel like uh, that's okay? I guess if this is how you run things around here, but... <laughs> We're Maybe just not how I would corners, things, yeah. but I'm just falling in line. So pick one, pick two, pretty much locks. I think yeah. we feel good about Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson going one, two. All right. So that's why I felt like, you know, that was the point where we could kind of uh, move into pick three. And that's where the draft really starts. And uh, so for the San Francisco 49ers, we're going to talk with Eric Galco from Optimum Scouting, a guy who's been on the show a number of times, was just on a couple of weeks ago. You could follow him on Twitter at Eric Galco. And Eric is uh, as tied in as it gets and talking with, Agents, scouts, team sources, coaches. He talks with everybody with all walks of life uh, in the football industry. And officially, the pick is in. And with the selection here, the San Francisco 49ers, with the third pick in the 2021 Journey to the Draft mock draft extravaganza, the San Francisco 49ers select quarterback Trey Lance from North Dakota State. Now, here is the explanation from Eric. He says the 49ers believe that they have a Super Bowl contending roster and like the Buffalo Bills in 2019, drafting the highest upside quarterback who also has the mental aptitude to only get better with the offense built around him can give Kyle Shanahan his best quarterback since RG3. Lance wouldn't be asked to start until at least midway through his rookie year unless he's ready earlier, but he will be tasked with bringing the 49ers a Super Bowl while on his rookie contract. Eric did go on to note that both Justin Fields and Mac Jones obviously have been and will be considered. Uh, the, obviously, with Justin Fields' personal connection to Kyle Shanahan, that cannot be overlooked. 
all three of them can fit into a role with Kyle Shanahan's offense, albeit in different ways for each. But Lance has the highest ceiling of maybe anyone in this or next year's draft class. And the 49ers hope that they are rewarded with their bold trade up. So, uh, Ben, Trey Lance, the number three pick. Surprised uh, here by that selection? No, I think he's the best fit of the remaining quarterbacks on the board between Fields and Mac Jones. I like Trey Lance, and that offense is a great developmental offense for a young, inexperienced quarterback. I think it's QB friendly. It's run game dominant, just like he came from North Dakota State. They're going to play defense, play ball control, give him a lot of defined reads off play action, get him on the move. A lot of the similar things he did at North Dakota. And as he gets more experience and more comfortable with the offense, you start adding more layers to the offense. And I know, Kyle, the one thing that really grabbed my attention this offseason was the threat of quarterback run. Mm. Not that he wants to slam his quarterback into a wall 20 times a game, although Trey Lance did run for 1,000 yards, incredibly athletic. That's a big part of his ability. But the threat of quarterback run. And that's why I think it's much more of a Justin Fields-Trey Lance conversation and Trey Lance being that 1,000-yard rusher, that young kind of, you know, uh, you know, exuberant athletic quarterback that can solve problems with his legs as well, whether in or out of structure. That's a great fit and a great marriage. All right. So we're going to talk now uh, to Charles McDonald, uh, who covers the Atlanta or that doesn't necessarily cover the Atlanta Falcons, but he's the senior writer at for the win. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at four verts noted Atlanta Falcons fan knows this team inside and out. He's from down in the Atlanta area. Uh, before we get to Charles and the pick here, Ben thoughts on where Atlanta, where you feel they will go uh, when it's all said and done, obviously at the end of the day, it's going to come down to it seems quarterback or Kyle Pitts. Where, where do you think that they end up going? Well, a lot of people feel like this is where the draft starts, Yep. not because we know what's going to happen at three per se, but what we just really don't know what's going to happen positionally at four. Do you go quarterback? Do you go weapon? Do you go O-line? A lot of different directions that are obviously going to have some ripple effects for the next couple of picks here. All right. Well, the pick is in. And with the fourth pick in the 2021 Journey to the Draft mock draft extravaganza, the Atlanta Falcons select quarterback Justin Fields from Ohio State Here's the explanation from Charles McDonald. The board kind of rolled out perfectly for them because Fields has a high enough floor that he'll be able to play sooner rather than later if Matt Ryan struggles. And there are less questions, to me at least, about how he would perform if he was given the reins early. This pick isn't so much an indictment of how the Falcons expect Matt Ryan to play in 2021. They still expect him to play well enough to guide the Falcons to the postseason, barring injury. It's about the opportunity cost and the ability to grab a really strong quarterback prospect when those guys are hard to find. Assuming Arthur Smith is as good a play caller as he seems to be. The Falcons won't be picking here again in the near future. They have a chance to find their quarterback for a post-Ryan landscape. It's not that difficult a decision. Now, when I asked if there was anybody else would be under consideration, obviously with the board, the way the board played out, the other option is Kyle Pitts, the tight end from Florida. Tight end is not a huge need for Atlanta, but Pitts is just a special player that makes your passing game so much better. He's not a complete slouch in the run game either, at least showing a willingness to block, and he can create good blocking angles the second level, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts is the kind of supporting cast that can keep Ryan young. If they go in this direction, Arthur Smith would have to tweak his offense a bit because Pitts is a totally different kind of player from John o. Smith. But if he can't find a place for someone like Pitts, then he's not the right man for the job. Now, Atlanta also a big pivot point in this draft in terms of potential to, to move back. Right. So I did ask Charles about that. And what Charles said was trading back 
is going to be considered by the Falcons. They've struggled to reach even 53 players this offseason. And the 2022 offseason is going to be tough to maneuver as well. The best and easiest way is to get an influx of cheap long-term deals. That's through the draft. If they do trade back, Patrick Sertan would be a perfect fit across from A.J. Terrell, the Falcons' 2021st round pick. Considering what the 49ers just gave up to get the third pick, it's not unreasonable for the Falcons to ask for multiple first-round picks in exchange for a trade down. Even though they do fill out, uh, they knew they even though they need to fill out their roster with bodies, this is still a roster in dire need of top-end talent over the next few years. So, uh, Ben, we've got quarterbacks for the first time going one, two, three, four. Where's your uh, where's the where's the meter right now on the surprise level uh, for that outcome? Uh, as expected, to be honest with you, with Matt yeah. Ryan turning 36 years old uh, next month, you have to start preparing for the future. And with Arthur Smith coming in and it kind of keep that Tennessee offense in the back of your mind when projecting Justin Fields forward, I think that'd be a great fit for him. You know, obviously run game base under center. A lot of things he did at Ohio State, multi-tight end. It's going to turn his back to the defense and play action boot, try to take advantage of his athleticism like Tannehill and give him more defined reads, a lot of three-level stretch, a lot of flood concepts, but it's going to be a run-based offense. And, you know, having a Julio Jones and a Kyle Pitts are exciting propositions for any offense, but that might not be the style of offense Arthur Smith wants to instill. He wants that big bruising back. He wants those blocking tight ends. He wants to set the tone in the run game. You're not going to see a whole lot of empty five wide spread them out in that offense. Uh, so it might be a little bit of contrasting styles with Matt Ryan coming in and to see how he fits under that offense. But I love Justin Fields. I love the value there at the fourth overall pick. And I've said this for the past month or so. Velocity contest, Fields wins. Accuracy contest, Fields wins. A race, he's running four, four fields wins out of all the quarterbacks. He just needs to speed his play up a little bit more, which is certainly coachable, certainly correctable. And I think he's going to do it. All right. So let's make the transition now to pick number five. And we're going to talk to uh, my friend, Joe Goodberry, who knows this Bengals team uh, inside and out. He's been on the show before you can follow him on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. And before we get to the pick here, Ben uh, thoughts, obviously no quarterback going off the board here without a trade. Uh, so the Cincinnati Bengals, they're going to tr- take the first non QB off the board here. Thoughts on where the Bengals go? Well, obviously getting uh, Joe Burrow, another you know weapon in that offense, I think is crucial. I don't think people are really respecting what T. Higgins has provided for that offense. It will be moving forward. And Tyler Boyd, man, you're sitting here looking at Jamar Chase to the left, Kyle Pitts to the right. I mean, shake them up in a bottle, and I'd be happy with either of them. You want to pair <laughs> the LSU guys back together, or do you have a little bit more of a unicorn over the middle of the field? I'd lean unicorn. I think I like that offense with Joe Mixon back there, T. Higgins development on the outside, and then the Kyle Pitts weapon. Uh, Pretty interesting proposition. Well, it's a big choice here for Joe Goodberry. And the pick is in. And with the fifth pick in the 2021 Journey to the Draft mock draft extravaganza, the Cincinnati Bengals select wide receiver Jamar Chase from LSU. Now here's the explanation from Joe. In this scenario, with the quarterbacks running off the board to start the draft, Cincinnati gets their choice of the best non-quarterback. They left three holes remaining on their roster. Right guard, edge defender, and wide receiver. Sure, they have other long-term needs, but let's just stick with the current holes. 
They have over 100 targets to replace with the departure of A.J. Green and could use some speed and downfield ability in the guy that replaces a franchise great. I think they'll look at Jamar Chase and see the seamless fit, not only with the offense, but with the quarterback, Joe Burrow. The addition of Chase to Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins gives the Bengals three legitimate weapons for their young quarterback to throw to, and this unit immediately becomes the strength of the team. Now, I asked him about other options. He said, obviously, Oregon's Penny Sewell has to be considered with this pick. He's big, athletic, just turned 20 years old. It's hard to find guys like him. In two years, he could be one of the best linemen in the league. The reason they don't draft him, Cincinnati signed veteran Riley Reef this offseason to play right tackle, and they've expressed commitment to keeping Jonah Williams at left tackle. If you're drafting Sewell to play right guard or even right tackle, some teams may see that as unworthy of being a top five selection. When I asked him about the possibility of Cincinnati trading out of this slot, he said if the draft starts this way, quarterbacks going one, two, three, four, that could leave teams trying to come up for Alabama's Mac Jones. If the right offer presents itself, I would see the Beng- I could see the Bengals listening if they only have to move back a few spots. This would allow them to still land one of Chase Sewell, Kyle Pitts, or even a Rashawn Slater. Ben, thoughts on wide receiver over the offensive lineman for Joe Burrow. I know you were in favor of that with either the Pitts or Chase selection, but uh, the first non-quarterback now off the board. Yeah, and we're sitting here at the sixth overall pick with the Dolphins on the clock, and I have two of my top three prospects still on the board Hmm. in Penny Sewell and Kyle Pitts. So I kind of disagree with the Jamar Chase pick there. I would have liked to see Kyle Pitts uh, instead of Chase. I think there's more comparable talent later in the draft to Chase than there is to Pitts. I think that's a big part of the decision-making is, you know, how the board falls and the positional depth. There's some other options that kind of are similar to Chase, maybe in the second or the third round, obviously not to the level of Chase, but comparable. And Penny Sewell, I think, is going to be a great pick for any offensive line room, but the commitment to Jonah at left tackle and obviously the need for some weapons around Joe Burrow uh, overtaking that. All right, well, let's get down to the sixth pick. And with the Miami Dolphins, uh, we're going to go back to our friend Alan Pupar, uh, who covers the Dolphins for all Dolphins Sports Illustrated. You can follow him on Twitter, at Pupar NFL. Previously worked for the Dolphins, knows this team inside and out. He's been down there in South Beach uh, for a long time. Uh, Ben, is it like Kyle Pitts, just a no-brainer at this selection, number six? What What do you view in terms of their options here? No, I think you need to do as much as you can to make Tua comfortable, which is leaning on the run game, giving them good protection, Uh, And if you don't feel comfortable with that offensive line and maybe second-year player Austin Jackson at left tackle, Mm. go pound the table for Penny Sewell and never look back. And I think Austin can move over to that right side or maybe even slide inside. But if you're not going to lean on the run game and build in the trenches around Tua, he's not a guy that you just throw the offense on his shoulders and say, go score points and win games for us. So I'm worried about the system and the surroundings of Tua. And remember, the Miami Dolphins general manager, Chris Greer, uh, comes from that Bill Parcells tree. They are traits, traits, traits. So uh, expect guys that have uh, some kind of elite tool to be able to hang their hat on. So we'll see the selection here. The pick is in. And with the sixth pick in the 2021 Journey to the Draft mock draft extravaganza, the Miami Dolphins select Kyle Pitts, tight end, from Florida, and here's the explanation from Allen. Too unique a prospect to pass up and will provide a great short to intermediate target for Tua Tagovailoa in the passing game. I think they'd also consider Jalen Waddle for what he could do for that offense and as a returner. The opportunity to take Pitts, I don't think the Dolphins would want to pass that up and trade down unless, of course, they were blown away by an offer to move down, but only again, only for a couple of spots. 
As for moving up, I have a hard time seeing them willing to, to make the trade up once they already have done it once, uh, trading back to number six with the Philadelphia Eagles. Ben, uh, it seems like a little bit of a two-man race for this pick. It seems like it's Kyle Pitts and Jalen Waddell. And you look at what Allen said there. Uh, what do you think about Kyle Pitts landing there in South Beach? Well, I'm not going to be you know, angry with Pitts going into any offense, yeah. but, you know, just considering the style and they already have Mike Kosicki there at tight end and this group of offensive line with Robert Hunt and Solomon Kinley and Eric Flowers and Austin Jackson, very physical, nasty in the trenches. And then a little finesse on the outside with Will Fuller and Gasicki and now Kyle Pitts. So mm. I would have thought maybe keep adding to those offensive lines, getting that left tackle that you feel comfortable comfortable about for the future. Um, but adding Kyle Pitts in any offense is obviously going to keep defensive coordinators up at night during the week, and that's what you want to do. I talked about this late last week with Sal Palantonio here on the show. And, you know, we discussed how Detroit, kind of the, the the mystery team, a little bit of a pivot point here in the top 10, and that, you know, you have a new regime, you have a new head coach, new general manager. They've, they've made a bunch of trades this offseason. You've got vets going in, vets going out, needs in a lot of different spots. Where do you see the Lions going if the board were to unfold this way? Uh, how do you see it go, going for them with the selection here? Well, it's another team like the Atlanta Falcons where you obviously have a starting quarterback there, a little bit different situation with Jared Goff just coming in, but a guy you feel comfortable about rolling with as your starting quarterback. So do they prepare for the future or maybe add some competition to that quarterback room? They can obviously use an influx of talent in the wide receiver room as they've had a big turnover with Marvin Jones on his way out and a couple other guys, uh, probably one of the bottom five receiver groups on paper at the moment. So adding some weapons to this offense is going to be crucial. I think they like TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift and some of those young parts, um, but it's certainly a roster in flux right now, which means the drafting can go a number of different directions. Yep, uh, it's going to be interesting to see. And we're going to talk here with Jeff Risden. Welcome him back to the show, the managing editor for the Lions Wire. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff Risden. And the pick is in with the seventh pick in the 2021 Journey to the Draft mock draft extravaganza. The Detroit Lions select. Penny Sewell, offensive tackle, University of Oregon. Now, here's the explanation from Jeff. It's the first pick for a new regime in Detroit, and that means there is extra significance on getting this pick right. Offensive tackle is not the Lions' biggest need. It's not even in the top five needs on the roster, but Sewell has the high-end potential to be a dominant bookend presence for years. Pairing him with Taylor Decker solves one of the key position groups for the next several years and makes life better for Jared Goff or whoever the quarterback is after him. When I asked him about the possibility of moving down, he said, I could see any team that wants one of of Penny Sewell or Rashawn Slater trading up to seven to get one, as I'm a big believer that Carolina is going to take one of those guys at number eight. Every indication is that the Lions will actively listen and might even initiate those calls. So keep an eye now uh, for just this going back to the draft this Thursday night. Keep an eye on the Lions potentially moving back there uh, if a team wants to make a move up for a Penny Sewell. Uh, ben, first mystery pick down, and it's an offensive tackle. What are your thoughts? I love it. And I think uh, <clears throat> they want to still bolster the trenches and keep adding to the foundation of this team. You would hate to add some flashy siding to your house and neglect the basement and those foundational pillars. So he may feel comfortable at tackle. I look at it on paper and I, I don't, you know, I know they re-signed Taylor Decker to the extension. They currently have Tyrell Crosby at right tackle with big V behind him can certainly use an upgrade at all those spots. I think moving Taylor Decker over to the right side, Penny Sewell on the left side, 
And that's going to benefit everyone. It's going to benefit the run game, benefit TJ Hawkinson, hopefully benefit the quarterback by being more upright and more confident leaning on the run game. And then go address the skill players and the receivers in rounds two and round three. It's a very deep group. But to see Penny Sewell sitting there at seven, too good to pass up. Yeah, we've got quarterbacks go off the board one, two, three, four. Then you get the wide receiver in chase, the tight end at pits, the left tackle in Sewell. Seven picks down, all seven offensive players. That would be, uh, I believe, the first time that has happened uh, in a long, long time. Uh, let's get now to the Carolina Panthers. And for that pick, we're going to go to our friend, Josh Norris, who's over with Underdog Fantasy. You can follow him on Twitter, at Josh Norris. Uh, let's go, because the pick is in. And with the eighth pick in the 2021 Journey to the Draft Mock Draft Extravaganza, the Carolina Panthers select Rayshon Slater, offensive lineman, Northwestern. Uh, here's Josh's explanation. I am incredibly tempted to make a strength even stronger by adding a receiver to the DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson dynamic. Many of you will suggest a quarterback here. I firmly believe David Tepper, the owner, does not have the patience for a rookie not named Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson. They will continue to chase veteran quarterbacks. That is why this pick, the number eight overall, was not or was included in the Panthers' offer for Matthew Stafford. Instead, they're going to build a foundation that a future quarterback can slide into. Rayshon Slater might not have the ideal tackle size, but his athleticism, movement, and anchor is eye-popping. Marty Herney wasted a 2019 second-round pick on Greg Little. That would open an, that would this would be an offensive line piece to build with. Signing Cam Irving does not prohibit a team from making this move. A trade out is also possible. So Ben, uh, thoughts on Rayshon Slater being the pick here for the Carolina Panthers at eight overall? Yeah, it's another foundational piece that I think is going to help the quarterbacks, the receivers, you know, the protection uh, to throw the ball down the field, the running backs, Chris McCaffrey. I don't know if I trust him to be a lifelong 10-year tackle in the NFL with his lack of length and some technique flaws with the way he uses his hands. Uh, but if you peg him in at guard or even center down the road, I really like Rashawn Slater. I think he's going to be a really good pro. And at the end of the day, I like the way you kind of formulated that. If it's not Darnold of the future or Teddy Bridgewater, it's going to be a great situation for somebody to come slide into all right, we're now going to make the transition now to the Denver Broncos, another team that's very interesting. New general manager there in George Payton coming over from the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, we're going to go now to Denver to talk to Cecil Lammy from DenverFan.com. He's been on this show no, numerous times, was just on recently, to talk about the Denver Broncos and their draft strategy. You can follow him on Twitter at Cecil Lammy. So the pick is in. And with the ninth pick in the 2021 Journey to the Draft mock draft extravaganza, the Denver Broncos select... Micah Parsons, linebacker, Penn State. Let's get into the selection here. The inside linebacker position is the only weak spot on the Broncos' defense, and they need someone with the athleticism to cover some of the best tight ends in the league, which reside in the AFC West. Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller. Parsons fits to that bill for Vic Fangio, and with that pick, they no longer have a weak spot in the middle of the defense. I asked him about any other options there, and he said Patrick Sertan, the corner from Alabama, would also be in serious contention for this pick. The secondary was boosted this offseason in a big way with the addition of Kyle Fuller and Ronald Darby in free agency. However, Fuller is only on a one-year deal, and Bryce Callahan only has one year remaining on his contract with the Broncos, so corner is a larger issue than some think with this team. Now, I asked uh, Cecil as well about the possibility of the Broncos moving up or moving down. And he said he would be surprised if the Broncos stay at number nine. He said the most recent and strongest buzz is that they will be looking to move up in the draft for a quarterback. I believe that Justin Fields is their favorite and Trey Lance is high on their board as well. If they can move up to number four, five, or six, 
as one of those quarterbacks should be available at four, then I think that that's what they will do so long as there is not a bidding war for that pick with another quarterback desperate team. So, uh, Ben, I mean, this is a, this will be interesting now. I think there's two things for this. Number one, we have to take into account that you know, that buzz that Denver would be the team to trade up to number four with Atlanta. So in our, in our selection here, Atlanta stayed put. They took the quarterback. I think ultimately they are making that decision, right? Is do we want to stay put and take the quarterback or do we want to trade out, take some picks? We'll take a quarterback later. Let's continue to try and build up uh, around Matt Ryan and we'll, we'll worry about quarterback down the road. The other big thing too here is that they view Drew Locke as a better prospect than Mac Jones because Mac Jones still on the board. They decide to not go there. So uh, I think there's some big takeaways here. But the other big one too, thoughts on uh, Micah Parsons as the first defensive player uh, off the board. A lot to chew on here with this selection. Yeah, absolutely. And just, I think it kind of uh, recalibrates how Vic Fangio feels about his defense and having that playmaker in the nucleus of it, right in the center, that middle linebacker. Go back to his San Francisco 49er days. That's my vision of what linebackers should be with Navarro Bowman and Patrick Willis. His last year in Chicago, they take eighth overall pick, Roquan Smith. It's obviously a, a you know a functional need and a focus point of his defense. Uh, and I think Michael Parsons' height, weight, speed, tone setting, his ability to sub rush and blitz. He's a guy that's going to be coming forward. Obviously, lateral range as well. But he's a guy that I would love to plug into a defense. Whether you play him at Mike, Will, Sam, Sub Rusher, Three Tech, Blitzer, whatever you want him to do, I'm really excited. I think that's a great piece. All right, so we're entering now the NFC East portion of this draft at 10, 11, and 12. So let's recap really quick the first nine picks. You got Trevor Lawrence at one, Zach Wilson at two, Trey Lance at three, Justin Fields at four. So quarterbacks, first four picks. Number five, you got the Bengals taking Jamar Chase. Number six, Kyle Pitts, the tight end. Seven, you've got Penny Sewell off the board to the uh, to the Detroit Lions. Rashawn Slater at number eight to Carolina, and Micah Parsons at number nine to the Detroit or to the Denver Broncos. Now uh, we're going to talk to Jeff Cavanaugh from 105.3, the fan down there in Dallas. You can follow him on Twitter at JC 105.3. He is the one who made the pick last year for CD lamb. He said, there's no way CD lamb lasts all the way to <laughs> us. And he ends up with CD lamb. So he was very excited uh, about that selection. I, he was the first person I heard from on draft night last year uh, when the Cowboys made that pick. So the pick is in. And with the 10th pick in the 2021 Journey to the Draft Mock Draft Extravaganza, the Dallas Cowboys select Patrick Sertan, corner from Alabama. And here's the explanation here from Jeff. While I think both Sertan and J.C. Horn are very capable cover three players, my guess is that they'll view Sertan as a cleaner prospect because of the tackling, more well-rounded, and a higher floor. I would consider Jalen Waddle. My guess is that they would not. The tight end and offensive tackles that the Cowboys would be interested in are gone, so it comes down to Patrick Sertan for J- versus J.C. Horn. I would go Horn, but I believe they would go Sertan. I asked him about the possibility of moving down. He said, if New England wants Mac Jones and is willing, we will go to 15 if I can get that 46th overall pick. Otherwise, this pick is Patrick Sertan. So, Ben, uh, two defensive players in a row now. Don't call it a comeback, but uh, <laughs> thoughts on uh, Sertan ending up in Dallas. Well, I don't know if Dan Quinn's going to be as passionate about that cover three single high scheme as he was with his Legion of Boom and the Falcons. You know, teams are kind of coming off of the the uh, single high scheme and a little bit more quarters, but he certainly fits that profile of corners he likes out there, whether it was Brandon Brown or Richard Sherman uh, in Seattle and moving over here to Dallas. They have some big looking corners out there joining Trayvon Diggs, who they took in the second round last year, and Reggie Robinson, who they took a fourth round flyer on. I think he's going to be a really good pro, whether you want him in a zone bail scheme or somebody just to erase a opposing player and press man. 
I think Patrick Sertan is going to be a really good pro and may not be a down-to-down outside corner. He might be a guy that's given some more matchup assignments, a race big tight ends. He's 6'2", 200 and nearly 210 pounds. Mm. He is massive and has the height, weight, speed, and obviously the instincts, the ball skills, just a little stiff in the lower half, but it's tough to be that tall and that big and still be a fluid you know, athlete. It's always a give and take. So uh, he's going to be a really good player. Ben, did you watch the video the Cowboys put out of the uh, the Dallas front office meeting with Kyle Pitts uh, last week? Yeah, I don't believe a, so. Yeah, there's a video they put out. It was uh, their their Zoom meeting uh, with Kyle Pitts, and they asked Kyle Pitts, said, "Who was the toughest player uh, you went up against?" And he said it was J.C. Horn. And I kind of want to. I was looking at that. And I'm like, huh. And we've talked in this on the show in the past about uh, Mike McCarthy's history with Joe Horn, you know, both in Kansas City and in New Orleans. And I was like, huh, I wonder if that was something uh, that they took to heart. But uh, in here, in this situation, uh, they go Patrick Sertan. So uh, let's now tr- make the transition to number 11 overall. And that is going to be going to be with the New York Giants. Uh, we're going to catch up with former Eagles beat writer Zach Rosenblatt, now with NJ.com, covering the G-Men. You can follow him on Twitter at Zach Blatt. Let's pick us in. And with the 11th overall pick in the 2021 Journey to the Draft mock draft extravaganza, the New York Giants select Devontae Smith, wide receiver, Alabama. And here's the explanation here from Zach. They don't necessarily need a wide receiver at this point, but they like his talent. They've got close connections on the Alabama staff, and it's hard to pass him up with Rashawn Slater off the board. I asked him if there would be anybody else uh, in contention there. He he named the, the two top pass rushers, Quiddy Pay and Aziz Ojolari, as well as Elijah Vera Tucker, the offensive lineman from USC. He said those would be the three names I would have my eye on, if not Devontae Smith. I talked to him about moving up or moving down. He said Dave Gettleman has literally never traded down in his career as a general manager. We've talked about that numerous times. 55 picks, he's never traded down. I'd say that's a no-go on the trade down. Trade-up doesn't quite make sense for them either since they only have six picks in this draft. So, Ben, surprised that there's no edge rusher here because that has been kind of circled as the number one need for this Giants team. Uh, As Zach noted, the board was not kind to them. So you got two offensive linemen uh, going off the board as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just trying to consider who else would have been in the conversation. Maybe Quiddy Pay or Aziz Abdullari as the top edge rushers, but they're coming through uh, some change at the receiver. They brought in John Ross, the second Kenny Galladay in free agency to pair with Darius Slayton and excuse me, Sterling Shepard, who's already in the roster. So adding Devontae Smith, another interesting kind of body in that receiver room, as opposed to going with maybe a Jalen Waddle. Uh, more of a speed threat, which they feel like they might have that in John Ross and Darius Slayton. So Devontae Smith, a good security weapon for Daniel Jones, kind of like a Sterling Shepard. Really interested to see how they would deploy this group. Yeah, I think that that would be, it's absolutely a a great point. I'd be interested to see how they would deploy that. Kyle Rudolph's over there in the offseason as well. A couple new bodies. Yeah, no question. Uh, All right, well, let's get now to the Eagles pick at 12th overall. And for that, we're going to talk with Tommy Lawler, who does a great job uh, writing about the Eagles in a number of different spaces. You can follow him on Twitter at LawlerNFL. And the pick is in with the 12th pick in the 2021 Journey to the Draft mock draft extravaganza. The Philadelphia Eagles select. Wide receiver, Jalen Waddle. Here's the explanation from Tommy. The last two Super Bowl winners have been loaded with receivers. The Eagles add good young talent last year, but there's always room for another explosive weapon. Waddle is the most explosive receiver in the draft. His yards after catchability would be a big asset to the new offense. You help a young quarterback by protecting him and giving him weapons. The offensive line is healthy, so the focus should be on adding another playmaker. I asked him about other options that he feels would be in consideration. He said, I think they'd also consider J.C. Horn, Quiddy Pay, the defensive end for Michigan, or a 
Elijah Vera Tucker from USC. I talked to him about the option of moving up or moving down. He said, I would talk to Denver if I really wanted one of those Alabama guys, whether it was Sertan, Smith, or Waddle, I'd be willing to move up to nine. The price would have to be right. So, uh, Ben, we talked about the last mock draft we, we talked about. Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay's last week uh, had Jalen Waddle falling to number 12. So uh, I know that you like the fit, uh, but we see Waddle fall once again uh, to the Eagles at number 12. Yeah, I think it's going to be an exciting, explosive weapon in any offense. Obviously, the return game, but this influx of horizontal action across the NFL, uh, particularly here in Philadelphia, whether it was with Peterson and now with uh, Nick Sirianni with all the jet sweep and that horizontal action, the shallow, um, getting the ball in his, his hands and being a security blanket for the quarterback who he already has some familiarity with from their time at Alabama together in Jalen Hurts. So I'm really excited to see how he integrates with Miles Sanders and Dallas Goddard and Jalen Rieger. Just want to see them implement a more quarterback friendly system, get the ball into these weapons hands as easily as possible. Don't just say, go run deep and we'll throw it out to you and throw jump balls. I want very calculated ways to get the ball in their hands as easily as possible and then let them do the dirty work, which I think Jalen Waddle is more than capable of doing the dirty work. Yeah. He's uh, certainly one of the more dynamic players in this class. So uh, 12 picks down. Let's go now to the to pick number 13. We're going to go to the LA Chargers. And for that, we're going to go to the Athletics, Daniel Popper. You can follow him on Twitter at Daniel R. Popper. Uh, and the pick is in. And with the 13th pick in the 2021 Journey to the Draft mock draft extravaganza, the LA Chargers select J.C. Horn, corner, you, uh, South Carolina. They still have a hole at left tackle, but with both Sewell and Slater off the board, J.C. Horn provides the ideal marriage of value and need. Horn is a near-perfect scheme fit for Brandon Staley's defense as a big, athletic, man-oriented corner who can play press and off. He is also eager to get physical and run support. The Chargers cut Casey Hayward this offseason. They must replace him. They've got little depth behind Michael Davis and Chris Harris at corner. Harris is on the final year of his deal. Horn would immediately slide into the boundary corner in nickel and dime packages and project as a long-term number one corner in Staley's system. I asked him about the options of anybody else. He said the Chargers could consider reaching slightly for a tackle at this spot. Perhaps Christian Dyershaw or Tevin Jenkins. USC offensive lineman Elijah Vera Tucker is also an option, but I don't think the Chargers would give those players serious consideration in this scenario. I think if Horn is there at 13 and both Sewell and Slater are gone. Horn is the no-brainer pick. It just makes too much sense. I talked about the option of moving up, and he said if Sewell got past six, uh, which he did in this mock draft, I think that if it were to happen on draft night, the Chargers would look into trading up to seven with the Detroit Lions. A lot of that happen or depends on how exactly they have evaluated Penny Sewell. My guess is it would take a future first rounder to make that jump from 13 to seven. With Horn sitting there at 13, I don't think a trade down would be on the table. If Horn was gone, though, uh, I think a trade you know, trade down becomes much more likely, maybe down to 15 with the Pats, maybe to Washington at 19, maybe the Bears at 20. You pick up an extra pick if any of those teams likes Mac Jones. So, uh, Ben, instead of helping the rookie quarterback, Justin Herbert, they go defense here. Thoughts on J.C. Horn ending up with the Chargers? Well, I love the fit there, J.C. Horn, a guy that uh, really models his game after Jalen Ramsey, has done a lot of workouts with Jalen Ramsey this offseason. And I think Brandon Staley just got his Jalen Ramsey to fit, fit in his defense like he had in Los Angeles. And that's going to be J.C. Horn. Excited to see him paired with a, you know, a Derwin James and a Jerry Tillery and a Bosa and really interesting influx Kenneth of talent Murray. out there. Kenneth Murray, yeah, all sorts of talent on the defense. But, Fran, when I go buy a nice new phone, the first thing I do is get a case. You know, so I would hate to see Justin Herbert running for his life in year two and not staying upright. 
you better make sure those crown jewels are protected, have a nice safe around him. So right now they have some issues on offensive line. They went and got Corey Lindsley at center. We love that piece. Don't neglect that left guard, that left tackle position. So that throttle is going to be all the way forward for the next couple of rounds and adding some more offensive linemen. We all know somebody who's bought that phone. They walk out of the store like, oh, I'll get the case later. I'm going to save a little bit of money. And then they, they step out. They take a bad step off the curb, drop the phone, and crack it the, the first minute. You don't want And that. they neglected getting that nice case that was right there in the store. And they went to the <laughs> flea market and got that crappy fourth-round case that suddenly <laughs> isn't so reliable. So it's all give and take. All right. Well, let's get now to pick number 14, <laughs> Arif Hassan from The Athletic. And the pick is in. With the 14th pick of the 2021 Journey to the Draft Mock Draft Extravaganza, the Minnesota Vikings select pass rusher Jalen Phillips from the University of Miami. It's difficult to figure out who the Vikings might pick here. They're sorely in need of an offensive lineman or two, and they have shown that they'll invest early uh, on the interior. But they also love athleticism on the edge, and that's harder to find later in the draft than a quality offensive lineman. Here I went, or here I went by the best on-field talent remaining and here's who Arif also thinks could be on the board for them Elijah Vera Tucker has to be the top alternate option and strikes me as the most likely pick outside of Phillips after that offensive line like offensive linemen like Christian Darashaw or Tevin Jenkins would be on their mind as would pass rusher Quiddy Pay uh, talked about their option to move down he said a trade down would be their best option is the talent that they want to acquire doesn't drop off in a big way and they don't have a second round pick Spielman loves acquiring more picks so they'll be working the phones pretty heavily. So Ben, uh, Jalen Phillips, the selection here over Pay, over Aziz Ojolari, uh, thoughts just from that standpoint that he is the first pass rusher off the board. Well, I think he has the best film out of any pass rusher in this class, but a lot of his questions are obviously the metal medicals, the off field, things like that. But his tape is as good as it gets in this class. So I definitely see the 14th overall pick a warranted spot for Jalen Phillips. I just didn't know if it was warranted considering their particular needs, which we love Daniil Hunter coming off an injury. They still have Anthony Barr. They are huge on guys like DJ Wanham and Jalen Holmes uh, a couple years out of Ohio State. That offensive line is looking pretty dire right now. I thought for sure it was going to be Christian Darisaw, maybe Elijah Vera Tucker, who some Mm -hmm. people think it's a little early right now if you're going to play him at guard to start addressing interior offensive line at this part in the draft. But I'd love to see Jalen Phillips Obviously, you need somebody to go terrorize Aaron Rodgers in the NFC North, and Mike Zimmer would love to have another exciting, explosive pass rusher. Don't neglect that offense, that offensive line. All right, so uh, we're going to move to pick number 15 with the Patriots. Uh, Your thoughts on where the Patriots' heads are at uh, if the draft were to fall this way? There's a lot of really interesting players here, and there's a lot of interesting kind of hybrid players that are usually interesting fits for this Patriot scheme, whether it's a, you know, a quitty pay, uh, who can play inside, outside, Jeremiah Usu-Koromoa, who's a safety linebacker type of prospect. I think there's some really interesting kind of defensive players here, maybe even a Christian Barmore. Is this where the first interior defensive lineman goes off the board, which I know New England is looking to get more athletic and more explosive in the trenches there. So a couple of different directions here. Maybe they see a great positional value at a Caleb Farley. Well, a lot of people had top 10 grades on hmm. until the back issue, which their camp has been saying there's no issue and he's ready to go whenever you need him. So this might be that ballpark of saying, Caleb Farley, we had as a fifth overall prospect. Let's get him at 15. So this is a really interesting spot here in the draft. Well, we are going to talk to Phil Perry, who came on the show a few weeks back uh, from NBC Sports Boston. You can follow him on Twitter at Phil A. Perry. Uh, and the pick is in. And with the 15th pick, 
in the 2021 Journey to the Draft Mock Draft Extravaganza. The New England Patriots select Mac Jones, quarterback, Alabama. And here's the explanation. He checks almost every box the Patriots have drafted in the past at that position. He's accurate. He's efficient. He takes care of the football. He gets rid of it quickly. He's excelled at a Power 5 conference. He's played well in high-leverage situations. He's been in college for four years. Interestingly, Interestingly, Patriots have only drafted quarterbacks four years removed from high school under Belichick. The one, and that's a Bill Parcells thing, by the way. Uh, the one marker Jones does not meet is the on-field experience. They've usually taken players with at least 800 career attempts, though neither of Belichick's two greatest success stories at the position, Tom Brady and Matt Castle, hit that number. With Jones getting Nick Saban's blessing as well as stamps of approval from former Patriots employees like Charlie Weiss and Jim Nagy, who understand the team's thinking at that position, I don't think Belichick would hesitate to pull the trigger. Plus, the Patriots want to win right now. And while Jones doesn't have the ceiling of some of these other quarterbacks, he may be more ready to go in 2021 than someone like Trey Lance. If he can turn into Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins while he's still on his rookie contract, a big if, he'll be worth the number 15 pick. He also considered Pay here, one of the names you brought up, Ben. He thinks he'd be a good enough athlete, edge setter, and bull rusher to serve as the Sam outside linebacker for them. He's another one who checks just about every box from a frame and testing standpoint. He's from Michigan. They love those guys who've been coached by Don Brown. They just signed Matt Judon, though, and so the need isn't a massive one for them. The other name that I considered was Christian Barmore. Of the 18 first-round picks Belichick has made in New England, five have been interior defensive linemen. Another Alabama guy. I could see him being the choice there. I asked him about a trade, and he said, no real serious thoughts on a trade here. The first four quarterbacks going off the board so quick meant that there wasn't any moving worth moving up for. Had Lance or Fields fallen to Detroit, that would have been a call worth making. Had John Jones gone to Denver, I would have stood pat and taken Quiddy Pay. Could see them trading back if five quarterbacks, three receivers, two O-linemen, two corners, and Pay are gone. So, Ben, you named a bunch of names for the Patriots there uh, before this pick. You did not name Mac Jones. Thoughts on the fit uh, with Mac Jones ending up in the top 15? Well, I think that's a great value. I love his, obviously, projection as an NFL starter if he's used in the right system, which the former Tom Brady system is a really easy projection for a style player like Mac Jones. It's going to be a really interesting summer in quarterback room with Cam Newton, Jared Stenham, Jacob uh, Dogala, who's a 6'5", you know, 235 kid at a Central Connecticut a couple years ago. But anyways. You did not um, know who he was before today. There's no I'm way. I'm doing little roster catch-ups <laughs> on every pick here, okay? So really interesting to see just how those reps go from, you know, you know, one series to one series with Cam at quarterback and Mac Jones at quarterback, who are obviously much different styles, but they're going to look to lean on the run game. It's going to be a run game, run first offense, just like Cam operated at Auburn with the Panthers and just like Mac operated at Alabama. Big guys in the trenches. They brought back Trent Smith, two really good blocking tight ends, and Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith coming in free agency. These quarterbacks are going to be handing the ball off a ton this year. And Mac Jones, Cam Newton, whoever's back there is going to look pretty similar doing that. So I like the fact they have an incumbent starter in Cam. And then let's see what Mac can provide as far as competition or maybe an insurance policy if things go wrong halfway through the season. And then next year, he's the uh, – he gets the full uh, keys of the offense. So we'll see what happens. So Ben, I want to ask you the biggest surprises guys that uh, are still on the board here as we exit the top 15 of this draft. And before you get to you, uh, just a quick refresher. Jacksonville takes Trevor Lawrence. The Jets take Zach Wilson. The 49ers take Trey Lance. The Falcons take Justin Fields. At five, Cincinnati takes Jamar Chase. Miami takes Kyle Pitts at six. Detroit takes tackle Penny Sewell at seven. Rashawn Slater at eight to Carolina. Michael Parsons, first defensive player off the board at nine to Denver. Patrick Sertan, the corner, goes number 10 to Dallas. Devontae Smith goes number 11 to the Giants. 
uh, the Eagles take Jalen Waddell at wide receiver at number 12. Number 13, J.C. Horn to the Chargers. 14, Jalen Phillips to the Vikings. And 15, Mac Jones to the Patriots. Makes five quarterbacks in the top 15. Any surprises? Who's the uh, the biggest name still on the board here going into pick number 16? Well, I have Quiddy Pay as my uh, highest-ranked player right now. Christian Darisol, just a smidge off of him. Aziz Oljolari, uh the third. Some more just interested that the Chargers and the Vikings deciding to go defense instead of offensive mm-hmm. line. Uh, with guys like Tevin Jenkins and Darisaw and Elijah Vera Tucker still sitting on the board. A lot of good edge rushers. A couple of those gadgety receivers are starting to make their way to the top of my board in Rondell Moore and Kadarius Toney and Elijah Moore. So some really good players. But as far as shocks, not so much the players, but just the team fits and selections. All right, well, let's get to number 16 here as we're going to visit uh, with a guy that you may have heard of, Ben, uh, Dane Brugler from The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at DP Brugler and catch him every once in a while here uh, on the Journey to the Draft podcast. And <laughs> the pick is in. And with the 16th pick in the 2021 Journey to the Draft mock draft extravaganza, the Arizona Cardinals select Aziz Ojolari, pass rusher from the University of Georgia. The 20-year-old pass rusher would fill Hassan Reddick's role and bolster the Cardinals' front seven with a high floor and high ceiling player. Elijah Vera Tucker would be tough to pass up on here because he would be an upgraded guard and give us long-term cornerstone on the offensive line. Zayvon Collins is a player I'm told that Arizona has done a lot of work on, so do not roll him out either. Uh, moving up or down, trading up a few spots for one of the Alabama receivers or for J.C. Horn is certainly enticing, but without a third round pick or a fourth round pick this year it could be too costly trading back is always something that they're interested in especially with the depth at edge rusher getting pay or away a few spots later so ben uh kind of a tough board there for the cardinals like dane said with all the wide receivers and corners gone uh thoughts on ojalari uh, ending up there in arizona yeah, another team I would like to see uh, address the offensive line. And this NFL needs offensive linemen, and they're continuing to pass over the top picks here. But Aziz Jalara, it's a great fit to squeeze right into Hassan Reddick's role. Yep. There is no team in the NFL with more ways to attack the opposing quarterback than the Arizona Cardinals. They have Chandler Jones. You remember they brought in J.J. Watt this offseason. They have a lot of really interesting bodies. And Isaiah Simmons and Jordan Hicks brought back Marcus Golden who took a pit stop to the Giants for a couple of years and is now back. Don't forget Buda Baker and guys like that. This defense has a lot of interesting athletes. And last year on third down, what would we see, Fran? They'd yep. load up like five, six, seven different athletic linebackers on the line of scrimmage and have all sorts of exotic pressure schemes, which Aziz Jalari is a loose edge rusher. Yep. This guy is a no-nonsense player, too, that we both love his physicality. And I think he's finally going to give them a little bit more stability and saying this guy can play every down. We don't need to bring all these sub-package rushers in. So I think he's going to provide three-down play for them. All right, well, let's get now to pick 17. And for that, we're going to go back to The Athletic uh, to talk to Vic Tafer, who covers the Las Vegas Raiders. You can follow him on Twitter, at Vic Tafer. Uh, We're going to uh, talk with Vic about the picks here at number 17. And the pick is in with the 17th pick in the 2021 Journey to the Draft Mock Draft Extravaganza. The Las Vegas Raiders select... Christian Darashaw, offensive tackle from Virginia Tech. Quiddy Pay is the best player on the board, but I think the Raiders are going to address a need. I definitely think they sh- they would move down given the talented tackle class plus the top two safeties available later in the first round. Uh, so, Ben, the Raiders get a new offensive tackle. You finally get your wish, an offensive lineman going off the board. Do you think that Darashaw, do you think he goes to right tackle year one, or does Colton Miller make the move? Obviously, they just gave Miller uh, a nice new contract this offseason. Yeah, it sounds like Miller's going to be the incumbent left tackle. So Darius off to the right side, which he didn't do a whole lot at Virginia Tech. I cannot get a feel for this draft, though. I thought for sure 
they were going to go after that safety position that mm. they needed to, an influx with, yep. you know, Trayvon Marig sitting on the board and Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, which has been a very, very popular pick, pick to yep. the Las Vegas Raiders there, being a height, weight, speed guy and addressing a need that the Raiders have uh, down the middle of the field. So, uh, but they decided to go offensive line, which I'm never going to, you know, poo poo that pick. Cause I love them addressing the trenches when in doubt. So Christian Darisol, I really like him as an individual prospect. And I think he's going to flourish no matter where he is. All right. We got Miami up at 18. We're going to go back to Alan Pupar from sports illustrated uh, at Pupar at, or at Pupar NFL on Twitter. So the pick is in. And when the 18th pick of the 2021 journey to the draft, mock draft extravaganza, the Miami Dolphins select Zaven Collins, linebacker, Tulsa, the Dolphins defense, while successful last season in forcing turnovers and keeping opponents out of the end zone, ranked in the 20s in terms of yardage allowed and lacks frontline players in the front seven. Collins has the kind of size and speed that would be very interesting for Brian Flores to find a way to utilize. I asked Allen if there was anybody else he feels would be in consideration. He said, I also think the Dolphins would consider Najee Harris and linebacker Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa because they don't have a true number one back and because Flores could use JOK in a similar way Way to what he had envisioned for Micah Fitzpatrick in 2019 before things went south and the two with the two and he ended up getting traded. When I asked about a potential move up or down, he said the Dolphins have shown a willingness to move up and down at all times. So they absolutely would consider moving on from pick 18, either for a player ahead if they have a strong convention, uh, conviction or more likely moving back to pick up even more draft capital. But if they stay put, he likes Collins there in Miami. So, uh, Ben, thoughts on Zayvon Collins there over Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, a player you just talked about a minute ago with the Raiders. Yeah, it's a definitely an interesting pick that fits the kind of hybrid liking of Brian Flores and the former Patriots scheme there of having guys that can play off ball and early downs and come down and rush the passer, a la Dante Hightower or maybe Anthony Barr out in Minnesota. Um, but they just signed Bernard McKinney out in free agency. who's also a very similar type of player, very heavy off the ball linebacker. That's going to come rush to passer in sub packages, which I think Zayvon Collins would give Bernardic a run for his money. As far as play time, uh, they like Jerome yeah. Baker there as well, but Zayvon Collins is kind of a ball of clay right now. As far as where you're going to play him, he might just be a true Sam or a true off the, uh, edge rusher. Uh, at the next level. So interesting to see him go over Quiddy pay or maybe over Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa, who a lot of people feel the dolphins are all over those two. Yeah. And to me, like I, I would agree that it's with Bernard McKinney there. I mean, that's, that's the kind of player you're looking at with Zayvon Collins. And so you feel like pay gives you different versatility going inside, outside along the line, Owusu Koromoa, more versatility, moving backwards into the secondary. Uh, I, I That's a, a really good point uh, on your end of it. All right, let's go now uh, to the Washington football team. And for that, we're going to uh, have a chat with Ben Standig from The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at Ben Standig. Uh, the pick is in. And with the 19th pick in the 2021 Journey to the Draft mock draft extravaganza, the Washington football team selects. Elijah Vera Tucker, offensive lineman, USC. For all the national talk about Washington needing a quarterback of the future, offensive line is the top short-term threat among premium positions. Perfect world, that means a left tackle. That's probably not Vera Tucker, but he could get work at either spot on the left side in 2021 and perhaps take over at right guard in 2022, assuming that there is no long-term contract signed with two-time franchise tag recipient and all-pro Brandon Scherf. When I asked Ben, about anybody else uh, potentially on the board there. 
He said Christian Darshaw is the other offensive lineman that they would consider if he was available. Uh, linebacker also rates high on the needs list. There's debate over whether J- Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa is ideal for Washington's roster, but the Notre Dame talent fits perfectly in the heavy sub-package era. Uh, when I asked him about moving up or down, he said, I just don't see Washington giving up the assets required for a move into the top 10 for a quarterback. Trading down works since there's good tackle and linebacker depth in the top 30 and 40, but everyone thinks their team should be should consider trading down, and we know uh, it does take two to tango there uh, with that, Ben. So uh, what do you think? Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker sliding a little bit, I would say a little bit further than people expect, uh, going down to 19 to Washington. I was actually holding my breath that you guys were going to go another explosive trench player on the defensive line, like a quitty pay, wondering how they're going to play all these guys. But going with the offensive side, a guy that will probably plug into that left guard spot opposite Brandon Scherff and starting to look like a pretty solid offensive line group with Roulier and Morgan Moses. And I know they really like Shadiq Charles Hmm. at LSU last year in the fourth round that will probably compete with Jaron Christian for that left tackle spot, maybe add a player in the second or third round to compete but a lot of people also considering Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. But they love their safety combos in Cameron Curl and Landon Collins. So if they don't you know, project him to be a true micro-will linebacker, who at the moment they have John Bostick and Cole Holcomb as the starters, certainly can be upgraded. But a lot of teams don't view JOK as a true off-ball micro-will. So it's a little bit of a swirling kind of no-man's land if you were to kind of take him right now. So going offensive line, that's just great for the offense, whether it's going to be Fitzpatrick, Heineke, Kyle Allen, or a quarterback of the future. Maybe they get Davis Mills in round two or Kellen Mond in round three, but they have a lot of needs, so they could go a number of different directions here. Vera Tucker, really good player. All right, well, let's go out to Chicago for the Bears, the 20th pick, and uh, we're going to talk with Dan Durkin, who covers the Bears, ESPN 1000. You can follow him on Twitter, at DJ Durkin, uh, and the pick is in. With the 20th pick in the 2021 Journey to the Draft mock draft extravaganza, the Chicago Bears select Caleb Farley, corner, Virginia Tech. Uh, the Bears created a huge hole in the secondary by releasing Kyle Fuller. Provided his medicals check out, Farley gives the Bears an elite prospect at the position who possesses length, athleticism, and ball production on a defense that can force quarterbacks into early decisions. When I asked about anybody else that would be in consideration, he brought up Greg Newsom from Northwestern, Tevin Jenkins, the offensive tackle from Oklahoma State, as well as Rashad Bateman, the wide receiver from Minnesota. When I asked about moving up or down, he said the Bears would be interested in a trade-up if a quarterback slides into the early teens, they could also benefit from a trade back to recoup some of the picks and still land a top corner tackle or receiver, which are their biggest needs outside of quarterback. So, Ben, uh, we got the slide for Caleb Farley. It ends at number 20. Do you think that this that this would be late? Do you think that this is early? How do you feel that uh, Farley's stock is affected by, obviously, the medical questions at this point in the process? Well, it seems like this is the way it's trending. This is a spot that was also pegged in by uh, Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay last week in their three-round mock draft. Um, But if all the medical is clear and his camp is saying they're ready to go, this is a great value that a lot of teams had as potentially the number one corner in this class. That's over J.C. Horn, over Patrick Sertan, a guy that opted out of 2020, converted a corner just three young years ago after being an offensive player, but an absolute incredible height, weight, speed, instinctive athlete out there that any defensive coordinator would love to plug in. And it's great to see Sean uh, Desai work his way up to defensive coordinator. It's a guy that started as a QC, safeties coach, going right up the rankings, and now it's his defense. And what better way to address that defense with getting an alpha corner in round one? 
And right now, looking at that NFC North, you know, getting a pass rusher, Jalen Phillips, getting a corner here in Chicago, everybody's looking at those Green Bay Packers and saying, slow down. You got to find a way to slow down Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. So, Caleb Farley, if all the medicals check out, this could be the steal, not only of the first round, but of the entire draft. Compassionate and trusted care. Clinical expertise. It's the cornerstone of NovaCare Rehabilitation and why they're the leading provider of physical therapy throughout the Delaware Valley. Don't let aches and pains or any injury slow you down. Schedule an appointment today at NovaCare.com. The Philadelphia Eagles choose NovaCare. So can you. NovaCare, the power of physical therapy. All right, well, let's uh, recap the top 20 here. I want to get some surprises or just who are the top players are that are still on the board. Uh, Quarterbacks going one, two, three, four, Lawrence, Wilson, Lance, then Justin Fields, Jamar Chase off the board at number five, Kyle Pitts at number six, Penny Sewell, seven to Detroit, Carolina taking Rashawn Slater uh, at number eight, Denver taking Micah Parsons at nine, Patrick Sertan, number 10 to the Dallas Cowboys, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, the Alabama receivers going 11 and 12, JC Horn at 13 to the Chargers, Jalen uh, Phillips, the pass rusher from Miami going 14 to Minnesota, New England taking quarterback Mac Jones, Aziz Ojolari at 16 to the Arizona Cardinals, Christian Darashaw at 17 to the Las Vegas Raiders, Zaven Collins at 18 to Miami, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker at 19 to Washington, and then Caleb Farley at 20 to Chicago. So Ben, uh, biggest names left on the board. Who do you expect to uh, go off here in the next few picks? Yeah, a couple of interesting safeties here rising to the top. And Owusu Koromoa, Trayvon Mare, Quiddy Pay sitting here uh, at the top of the edge rusher group. Christian Barmore, obviously the cream of the crop in a very down interior defensive line group. But don't keep sleeping on these tackles. There's some, still some really good ones, whether it's maybe Tevin Jenkins there, does Alex Leatherwood squeeze into the first round? And just a little uh, primer for those keeping score at home, 13 offensive players, mm. seven defensive players, no interior defensive linemen yet, yep. no running backs yet, Yep. just one tight end off the board so far. So obviously some of those lesser position groups are really reflecting so far uh, in the top half round one. All right, let's go to pick 21 here. And for that, we're going to talk with Zach Hicks from SB Nation. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Zach Hicks, too. Uh, does a great job really pr- kind of talking about the, the not just the Colts, but the Colts and their draft strategy with GM Chris Ballard. And the pick is in with the 21st pick in the 2021 Journey to the Draft mock draft extravaganza. The Indianapolis Colts select. Tevin Jenkins, offensive tackle, Oklahoma State. Uh, the Colts have valued the offensive line under Chris Ballard, and getting a powerful young tackle cheap for four to five years fits this mindset. Jen- Jenkins would fit very well next to Quentin Nelson at left tackle. When I asked about any other options, he brought up Quiddy Pay, Greg Newsom, and Rashad Bateman. They will all certainly be in consideration there. When I talked about the, the idea of moving down, he said, I'm not a betting man, but if, if so, I would bet on them trading down. I would bet a lot on them trading down. Ballard likes the likes those picks, and he only has six right now. So uh, thoughts on Tevin Jenkins and the Colts, and obviously this is a team uh, that could be looking to make that move down, especially, I would think, with all the offensive linemen still on the board here, Ben. That's a great fit, and I see this team being a left tackle away from being a real perennial powerhouse and a contender for a number of years. And this wasn't anything they can forecast either. Anthony Costanzo kind of surprised them with a retirement. Uh, which he, he let them know during the season and they wished him well after a great 10 years, but it wasn't anything that you were able to forecast two or three years down the road. So might've caught them off guard. So the fact they can turn around, get their quarterback in Wentz to replace Phillip rivers, and then go get that left tackle in the first round to feel good about the offensive line, tons of weapons, solid defense, Fran, there is nobody 
more confident and secure about their ability to evaluate in their process than Chris Ballard. Mm. He is as pleasurable to listen to and is as sure, as sure of himself with his process and who he trusts as there is in anybody in the league. So whether you want to listen to his article from Monday morning quarterback two years ago, or he's very kind of vocal and giving access to his team and media department, find all that content. He's great to listen to. And anytime the Colts are on the clock, sit up in your chair because typically they're going to make a good pick. All right, well, let's now transition to their rivals, the Tennessee Titans. Uh, and for that, we're going to talk with Teron Davenport from ESPN NFL Nation. You can follow him on Twitter at tdavenport underscore NFL. And so the pick is in. And with the 22nd pick of the 2021 Journey to the Draft mock draft extravaganza, the Tennessee Titans select Rashad Bateman, wide receiver, Minnesota. Bateman can play in the slot or outside, which adds to the versatility in the Titans wide receiver room. He is a natural pass catcher that consistently gets yards after catch. Bateman can also come down with the ball in traffic. Losing Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys created a void of wide receiver that will be filled by Bateman, who's capable of being an immediate contributor. When I asked about other players uh, that could be the pick here, he brought up Greg Newsom. That's like the third or fourth time Newsom has been brought up in the last few picks. And Terrace Marshall, the wide receiver from LSU, that they could also be considered. When I talked to him about moving down, he said the Titans could consider moving down, uh, especially if they feel that they can get Elijah Moore a little bit later in the round. So, Ben, uh, to me, I look at Rashad Bateman stepping in for Corey Davis. Uh, makes a ton of sense when you look at their two skill sets. Yeah, absolutely. Both guys that are proficient route runners that obviously are incredible getting off the line in and out of breaks can make some really wow catches for you. I thought uh, Rashad Bateman's tape in 2019 was a little bit better when he had Tyler Johnson on the other side, a little bit more of a threat to him, but he's a guy that tested better than we thought. It's going to pair really well with AJ Brown. A lot of two receiver sets out there as they like to bolster the backfield at multiple tight ends and two back sets. So going to be a lot of AJ Brown, a lot of Rashad Bateman, and then you're going to throw him some balls off play action and say, go make a play. And both guys more than capable of doing damage in the route at the catch point after the catch. So we've already seen Miami make two picks. Now we're going to see the Jets make their second pick. Obviously, they select Zach Wilson at number two. Uh, Who are some names that you feel like could go off the board here uh, with their second pick? Well, do they start to address some more talent on defense with the two safeties sitting there? There's also some really interesting kind of security blankets for the quarterback, whether it's one of these gadget players in Rondell Moore, Kadarius Toney, Elijah Moore, these guys that just make life easier for the quarterbacks. They're not going to run a whole lot of routes further than five, seven yards down the field. You want to call them running backs, slot backs. They're perfect for the RPO game, the quick game, the yards after catch game, all that stuff just to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands and get easy offense, which the NFL is trending more towards. So do the Jets have that weapon on the roster for Zach Wilson? If not, go get one. Well, I do think that they're going to try and help uh, that rookie quarterback with this selection. And for that pick, we are going to go to Anthony Beck, who does work for the Jets pre and post game. Obviously, a 12-year NFL vet had spent a long time with the Jets organization. You can follow him on Twitter at Anthony underscore Beck. And the pick is in with the 23rd pick in the 2021 Journey to the Draft mock draft extravaganza. The New York Jets select. Landon Dickerson, offensive lineman, Alabama, said Joe Douglas wants a rookie quarterback to be successful. You better protect and get a running game. The other considerations would be the backs, ETN, Harris, or Javante Williams. Doesn't think they move down, doesn't think they move up. He thinks they stay put, make a pick, and in here, he's going to give them Landon Dickerson. Ben, I know you're a big fan of Dickerson. Uh, What are your thoughts on giving uh, the rookie quarterback a rookie center? 
That's outstanding. You know, they have Connor McGovern in there at center right now. I wouldn't rule out the fact of Landon Dickerson maybe going over to right guard uh, in the NFL with his massive nearly 6'6", 330-pound frame. Some people feel he might be a better guard at the next level and can use that kind of versatile, athletic, mauling skill set a little bit deeper than that center spot. Um, But obviously the offensive line could use an upgrade. And right now on paper, Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, Jamison Crowder, that's a pretty good one, two, three at receiver. Um, You know, I probably should have looked at that before I made my claim to get a, a, a slot receiving weapon out there, but, you know, adding Tevin Coleman to the offense in the running back room, added the quarterback of the future. Now just keep adding the coals into the furnace and keep addressing the offensive line. They like Makai Becton. They like Connor McGovern there. Right guard, right tackle, certainly could be upgraded. Landon Dickerson's got you covered there. Uh, Dickerson just feels like a Joe Douglas kind of player, too. I, I think <laughs> that that certainly makes a lot of sense. Uh, let's now, now go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And for that, we're going to go to Alex Kazara uh, from the Steelers Depot. You can follow him on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazara. Does a great job of tracking the Steelers and uh, their draft tendencies and uh, their interests uh, going into the NFL draft every single year. And the pick is in with the 24th pick. In the 2021 Journey to the Draft mock draft extravaganza, the Pittsburgh Steelers select running back Najee Harris, Alabama, uh, with Atlanta Dickerson and Tevin Jenkins off the board, which I think is interesting. Uh, The choice is clear. Najee Harris. Pittsburgh had a historically bad running game in 2020, their lowest output in 50 years. Mike Tomlin loves having a three-down feature back. If they don't take a back at 24, they won't find that guy later in the draft. Harris has the size and catching ability the Steelers covet. He reminds me so much of Le'Veon Bell, right down to their ability to hurdle defenders in the open field. I asked him about any other possibilities. He said, it's possible they could go with Travis Etienne if they wanted more big playability in the offense. Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma could be a plug-and-play center. No team knows the value of great centers more than Pittsburgh, going from Mansfield to Webster to Dawson to Pouncey. Defensively, Notre Dame's Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa could be a fun chess piece and is still just 21 years old. And Florida State's Asante Samuel had the football bloodlines the Steelers gravitate towards. He talked about they talked about that with Devin Bush, Cam Hayward, and Terrell Edmonds. All had fathers who played in the NFL. It's a great note there uh, from Alex. He could slide into the slot in that defense. I asked about the the, the idea of then moving up or down. Said little interest in trading up. The Steelers have too many needs and they get to give up capital. Uh, trading down would make sense, but Kevin Colbert has rarely done it. Since 2000, it's happened in the first round just once, and he has not moved down at any point in any part of the draft since 2010. If they can find a dancing partner to slide down four to five spots, it does make sense. Ben, uh, Najee Harris to the Steelers, we've talked about this, just feels right. Yeah, I think he's one of the safer players in a very kind of unpredictable draft. It's just the running back value that people don't want to take in the first round, but running backs are needed in the NFL, needed more than a lot of other positions. Just you don't want to spend high draft capital on them for some reason. But Najee Harris is a safer player on and off the field. You know what you're getting. Big physical back that's a little more upright than traditional, but he's got little man's feet. He's got little man's balance. He runs exceptionally well, can lower his pads, and he's a really good weapon in the pass game. I don't know if Matt Forte is the right comparison, but we're getting close there with that style of kind of upright back and very loose athlete and can contribute in the pass game. Alabama, a good mix of gap schemes and zone schemes. So he's a guy that I think it will be a feature back. It's going to be tough to take off the field. I know they have Benny Snell and Anthony McFarlane, some nice options there in the backfield as well. I don't know when Najee uh, ever takes a break. So he's a guy I want to feed the ball to and maybe Ben Roethlisberger can play another year, two, three years with a running back they're going to lean on. Jaguars up next year, their second pick after taking Trevor Lawrence. Where do you think? Uh, where do you think they go here? What, what do you like? 
Yeah, a couple uh, options here. Do you add that backfield mate, maybe his college teammate and Travis Etienne, maybe Javante Williams squeeze into the first round here to pair with uh, was it James Robinson out of Illinois yep. State. It was their lead back last year. Is this when we start to see the run on the slot players, the Rondell Moores, the Elijah Moores, the Kadarius Tonys, somebody that obviously certainly coveted by Urban Meyer's style of offense and a couple guys that he's familiar with uh, uh, outside of that personally. So they're going to run a lot of RPOs. They're going to want those quick in-breakers and guys that are yards after catch threats. So you see Terrace Marshall also sitting here on the board is Quiddy Pay, who is my 12th overall player, too good to pass up here as we're sitting here 25th in the first round. Now we're getting to be the needs versus value conversations. JOK still on the board. Trayvon Marig still on the board. Christian Barmore still on the board. A couple of good options. I would love if Urban Meyer took a defensive end from Michigan uh, in the first round. That would be outstanding. <laughs> uh, and not to mention taking the Clemson quarterback, like literally like Ohio State's biggest rivals in the last half decade. Uh, you're going to take uh, those two. That would be outstanding. Uh, all right. So for the Jacksonville pick, uh, we're going to go to Laurie Fitzpatrick, who writes for the Jag or writes for the Draft Wire. You can follow her on Twitter at Laurie Fitzpatrick. And the pick is in. With the 25th pick in the 2021 Journey to the Draft Mock Draft Extravaganza, the Jacksonville Jaguars select Trevon Merrig, safety, TCU. It's important to note that Urban Meyer thinks highly of his defense, as he mentioned it lately as well. They must be the strongest, most competitive, fierce guys out there on the field, and Merrig is that guy they need to fill that back-end position at safety. I think later on, he will get more defensive line depth. I asked if there was anybody else they feel would be uh, on, their, on the board here that would be you know, a potential selection. Uh, Lari felt that they're lacking in talent at the safety position, but Christian Barmore is still there. He may be too tough to pass up. I asked about moving up or down. No consideration, really. The, the Jaguars have picked number 33 already. They could stay put and just take a really talented player. So, Ben, uh, Trevon Merrick from TCU off the board. Uh, thoughts on that selection? Well, they're probably also peaking at their needs based on who they think will be available in rounds two and rounds three. There's probably a little bit more of a drop-off of safety into the second and third round. So go get Marig, who might be their number one safety on the board. And there can be some of those slot receiver options on day two, yep. which is a very deep group in this year, maybe even to day three. Uh, with some guys like Shai Smith and Kate Johnson and some day three options there. But uh, Trayvon Marig is my number one through and through safety. So if you can get him at the 25th overall pick, that's pretty good value and pretty good need. All right, so I'll uh, ask you the best players still on the board. Just the last five picks uh, since Caleb Farley went off the board at 20. We've seen Tevin Jenkins go off the board at 21, uh, the offensive tackle to the Colts. At 22, the Tennessee Titans took wide receiver Rashad Bateman. At 23, center Landon Dickerson to the New York Jets. Najee Harris, the running back to the Steelers, number 24. And then at 25, the Jaguars taking safety, Trevon Merrig. Uh, ben, your best players on the board still. I know you mentioned uh, Quiddy Pay, your number 12 guy, is still available. Yeah, yeah, Quiddy Pay there, Owusu Koromoa, Rondell Moore, Kadarius Toney, uh, Christian Barmore. Getting into the next tier, I think we're going to start to see some teams maybe have their guy at the back end of round one. Maybe Asante Samuel Jr. squeeze in. Levi Onzarike might be a type. And then this next tier of corners. Can't figure out, are they round two guys or back end of round one guys like mm. Tyson Campbell, Greg Newsome, uh, a lot of guys that you've seen in mocks anywhere from 100 to 10th overall. So guys that have been very high variant and trying to figure out where they land. And the one wild card, I think in the next seven picks we have left, does Jameen Davis find his way mm. into the first round? Who's been on a meteoric rise uh, in his 2020 into his off season. So a lot of really good talent here left. 
a very good question there with Jermaine Davis. So uh, let's see now. We're going to talk with Brent Sobleski from Bleacher Report. Uh, does a great job covering the Cleveland Browns with the 26th pick. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Brent Sobleski. Uh, and the pick is in. And with the 26th pick in the 2021 Journey to the Draft Mock Draft Extravaganza, the Cleveland Browns select Quiddy Pay, defensive end, Michigan. The team has continually emphasized adding talent to the defensive front. Even after Jadavion Clowney's addition, another edge presence can't be overlooked. Clowney will move all over the line, and he's most effective working inside at this point in his career. Besides, Clowney and Tack McKinley are operating on one-year deals. Pay gives the Browns a long-term bookend to Miles Garrett as arguably the best pure defensive end in this year's class. I asked if there were anybody else that would be on the radar. Greg Newsom almost became the choice because Greedy Williams' right shoulder just cannot be trusted. So Greg Newsom, uh, he has been a finalist now. Uh, he's been the bridesmaid uh, a number of times and never the bride uh, here on the back end of round one. Uh, but moving up, he said if J.C. Horn, uh, he'd be the only talent really worth making a move up in the Browns' case. And he did not slide quite enough uh, in this scenario for it to become a realistic possibility. So, Ben, uh, pay slide ends your number 12 player off the board. Yeah, it's really good value there, in my opinion. That's a good player to add to this defense. And it's taken a little bit of a face look this offseason. They added Troy Hill at nickel coming in, John Johnson from the Rams, Clowney, Tack McKinley. They added Malik Jackson, Anthony Walker at middle linebacker. A lot of new faces and bodies on this defense. I think Quiddy Pay is going to be a, a fixture of it for a number of years, opposite of Miles Garrett. This is another team with a variety of ways to attack opposing quarterbacks. A lot of interesting athletes. Like we saw last year at the safety spot, the linebacker spot, tons of different bodies, huge rotation. They just need more stability, more uh, more cornerstone players that they can rely on and trust. And I think this offseason they spent a lot of money on defense and going defense in round one kind of fits up. All right, well, let's now go to the 27th pick, the Jordan Reed from the Draft Network. He's picking for the Baltimore Ravens. You can follow him on Twitter at Jordan underscore Reed. Uh, and the pick is in. With the 27th pick in the 2021 Journey to the Draft Mock Draft Extravaganza, the Baltimore Ravens select Terrace Marshall, wide receiver, LSU. The Ravens are in need of a true wide receiver one. Marshall has shown that he's effective on the inside and outside, even after battling for targets with Jefferson and Chase in 2019. As the lead guy in 2020, he showed that he could be a leader of the group, long strider that covers a lot of ground on routes coupled with strong hands. He also isn't afraid to get his face dirty in the run game, which will be required in Baltimore. When I asked about the idea of moving up or down, uh, this was obviously per- uh, prior to the Terrace Marshall uh, rumors about you know his injury, red flags potentially uh, from the medical check. He said moving down was an option, but the value for adding a receiver of his stature was too good to pass up. So, Ben, uh, what do you think? Uh, Terrace Marshall going 27 or overall to Baltimore? Yeah, it certainly fits a stylistic need with the receiver room. I like Hollywood Brown and Duvarnay, Miles Boykin, Sammy Watkins, James Prochet. But you really just needed a true kind of mid-tier skill set receiver not a slot receiver, not just a down-the-field burner, a guy that can kind of win at all three levels, a guy that has a little bit more inside-outside versatility than people think, a guy that dominated in the red zone in college, I think the most productive uh, receiver in the red zone in the last two and three years in college football, really good tracking ability. It's a really interesting receiver room. They need to improve their pass game, whether it's uh, talent and upgrading bodies on the outside and then getting Lamar to develop his ability to throw the football to these weapons. So obviously addressing the pass game in a variety of different avenues uh, was a priority this offseason. All right, let's get to pick 28 here with the New Orleans Saints. And Jeff Duncan from The Athletic does a great job covering that team at Jeff Duncan underscore on Twitter. And the pick is in. 
With the 28th pick in the 2021 Journey to the Draft mock draft extravaganza, the New Orleans Saints select Greg Newsom, corner, Northwestern. This would be a great scenario for the Saints who are desperately in need of a corner to pair with Marshawn Lattimore in the wake of Janaris Jenkins' offseason release. Saints coach Sean Payton has not shied away from stating that corner is the team's top offseason priority and Newsom would fit well into their heavy man-to-man scheme. He's the fourth-rated corner on almost every draft board and is ranked as the top number 18 overall prospect by Dane Brugler. So getting him at 28 would be terrific value. He's a no-brainer for the Saints who will have few, if any other glaring needs. So Ben, uh, thoughts on the the fit, Greg Newsom going to the New Orleans Saints. Well, the Saints play a variety of coverages out there. They're uh, equally cover one, man to man. They love their three. They love their quarters. I think Newsom's a little bit more of a zone corner that would prefer to be an off and uh, has a good tenacity to click and close, uh, pursue the flat, very aggressive at the catch point, good ball skills. You're just going to need to work on his kind of press man technique, which Marshawn Lattimore is a great uh, mentor to have over there. But he has some very, very impressive God-given tools that you can't coach and you can't teach. The length, the explosiveness, the speed. Um, just a big question about the scheme fit. He does have a number of injuries over the past couple of years. It's caused him to miss some time, which is probably why he's in this part of the draft and not in the Caleb Farley part of the draft. Um, as odd as that is, because Farley also has an injury, but Newsom, another guy that has some injury in his history, but a good versatile corner that the Saints need a guy opposite Lattimore. That's a good fit. So we've reached 29 and the Green Bay Packers hold that selection. I want to ask you, make your prediction here. Uh, who do you think the Packers go with, with who's on the board? Well, I think there's a lot of really intriguing top slot receiving options that would provide just perfect fits in a Matt LaFleur's RPO horizontal game offense, where it just... They need someone that's dynamic with the ball in their hands. They have a lot of easy manufactured completions uh, for Aaron Rodgers. They don't ask the receivers to work very hard to get open. So they really just need a weapon that specializes with the ball in their hands. So I think they're going to pound the ball this year with A.J. Dillon, despite paying Aaron Jones, who I think will take on much more of a Alvin Kamara pass game role. But I think a Rondell Moore, Kadarius Toney, Elijah Moore would be a really interesting proposition. But remember... Joe Barry, now new defensive coordinator coming over from the Rams. Huge stress on those safety spots and those cover fours quarter scheme. I think Darnell Savage is more of a nickel. So who's that safety next to Adrian Amos? Is that Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa with a really good hybrid skill set? A lot of different directions to go here that I would be okay with. Christian Barmore is also sitting here. So people want some more talent and disruption next to Kenny Clark. Maybe that corner to replace Kevin King on the outside, Asante Samuel Jr. A lot of directions to go here, Fran. This is, in my opinion, a dart pick. Throw a dart on the board, and I think we'll be happy as long as it's not another quarterback like last year, <laughs> um, which I feel safe that they're okay with the quarterback room at this point. All right, well, let's get into it. And Aaron Nagler uh, covers the Green Bay Packers for Cheesehead TV. Great follow. Uh, on Nagler, Twitter. we're at, screwed. Yeah, uh, we'll <laughs> see exactly where the pick goes. At Aaron Nagler on Twitter, and the pick is in with the 29th pick. In the 2021 Journey to the Draft mock draft extravaganza, the Green Bay Packers select Christian Barmore, defensive tackle, Alabama. They think the value is good and suspect that he would be thrilled if they fell. They've had little more than warm bodies alongside Kenny Clark for too long. Also, they love athletic big men. As Ted Thompson always used to say, the good Lord only made so many guys that big. Any, uh, When I asked if there would be anybody else uh, that would be of con- serious consideration, 
he threw in Asante Samuel Jr. from Florida State at corner. Uh, and I asked about moving down. He said they'd absolutely entertain offers to move down as both corner and tackle or positions of need with plenty of depth behind what's already been taken already. So, Ben, uh, you mentioned Christian Barmar uh, a couple of minutes ago. Uh, thoughts on his fit there in Green Bay? Yeah, definitely trade down country here at 29. As we always see every year, teams want to come back into the end of round one and maybe get that positional value or player value that's still sitting there for them. Christian Barmore is a really interesting player in a down interior defensive line class. He is the number one pick. So to be able to get him at 29, some may say that's a really good value and there isn't comparable talent later on. I think the next one is going to be Levi Onzarike, who we've seen go in the third round. So uh, it's not a deep group there. They might be interested in a Milton Williams or Oso Digizua later on, but definitely getting a more disruptive, explosive presence in the trenches to pair with Kenny Clark, to upgrade over to Tyler Lancasters and Dean Lowry's is certainly a priority. They've had to use those edge rushers to wear some hats that maybe don't fit them well by sliding guys inside quite often, like Sedarius Smith and Rashawn Gary. Christian Barmore gives them that interior presence. My concerns with Barmore, only a redshirt sophomore that really hasn't been on the field a whole lot for Alabama and hasn't been on the field a whole lot in particular on early downs much more of an up-the-field pass-rushing threat than a stud-trench run-stuffer like we typically see out of Alabama. So a little bit of a different style, but everybody in the NFL wants a disruptive three-tech to get after the quarterback from the interior. Has tremendous value, and that's what Christian Barmore is bringing with him. All right, well, let's uh, get to these last couple picks here. We have the Buffalo Bills on the clock at number 30. Uh, for that selection, we're going to go to Sal Capaccio uh, who from WGR 550. He is the beat and sideline reporter covering the Buffalo Bills. You can follow him on Twitter at Sal Sports. He's been on the show before. And the pick is in with the 30th pick in the 2021 Journey to the Draft Mock Draft Extravaganza. The Buffalo Bills select. Elijah Moore, wide receiver, Ole Miss. There are plenty of names that would be under consideration in this scenario for the Bills. Sean McDermott mentioned not wanting to lose their fastball, which means adding to an already potent passing attack is certainly on the table. Moore adds another weapon for Josh Allen and a toy for offensive coordinator Brian Dable to figure out how to use. The Bills love versatile players, and Moore can line up both inside and in the slot. Uh, Moore is all, always dangerous with the ball in his hands, and that's something the Bills need more of. When I asked if there was anybody else of consideration, he said he considered Rondell Moore, Travis Etienne, and the other two players on the defensive side, pass rusher Joe Tryon and corner Asante Samuel Jr. So Asante Samuel starting to get a little bit of buzz here on the back end of round one. Both areas that could use more talent. When I asked about the, uh, the uh, ability to move up or down, he said, I didn't really see an opportunity for the Bills to move up at all, given that the roster is already pretty solid and it would be tough to find an impact player right away worthy of that kind of move. But moving down would definitely be an option, preferably even collecting picks for next year to keep that covered stock as some key players have contracts coming up and they might eventually have to replace them. So Ben, uh, thoughts on this pick? Because personally, I love it. I think it really fits what Buffalo's looking for at this stage of the team building process. They're trying to continue to get more speed on that offense. Yeah, I like Elijah Moore. I just think it's kind of repetitive uh, as far as their offense right now. They have Stefan Diggs. They have Cole Beasley. Don't forget, they went out and got Emmanuel Sanders this offseason. Mm. That's a lot of small, shifty slot receivers, in my opinion. Not enough contrasting styles uh, in the receiver room. They like Gabe Davis and Isaiah Hodges with a little bit more size, but I thought kind of thought the the shifty undersized receiver would have been uh, addressed already, but adding Elijah Moore, I'm not going to complain no matter what team he goes to. He's a yep. great weapon uh, to add into the offense. He might be a guy that you see working out of the backfield 
uh, more often than not on third down, maybe taking some reps from Devin Singletary on third down. But I was all but pegging in Asante Samuel Jr. in the spot, mm. considering the zone scheme, considering the connection with Sean McDermott and maybe his dad, Asante Samuel Sr., considering their need at left corner opposite of Trey White. I just thought that was going to be a perfect marriage there. All right, I'm going to cut in really quick. I want to get you back to the mock draft. Before we get to the Kansas City Chiefs selection, we recorded this podcast before the Chiefs traded for Baltimore Ravens tackle Orlando Brown. So this selection now currently is held by the Baltimore Ravens, who are going to be looking for some offensive tackle help, by the way. But Kansas City Chiefs, they're still going to be making the pick in this mock draft. But no, it was recorded before the Chiefs made that trade. All right, well, let's get to pick number 31 here. For the Kansas City Chiefs, I went to Nick Jacobs from the 4th and 1 podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Jacobs71. And the pick is in with the 31st pick in the 2021 Journey to the Draft Mock Draft Extravaganza. The Kansas City Chiefs select Liam Eichenberg, offensive tackle, Notre Dame. And with the Chiefs unable to secure Trent Williams, they have a massive hole at left tackle after after the release of former first overall pick Eric Fisher. The Chiefs' ability to protect their franchise quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, needs to be the first priority of every offseason. Mahomes' health determines how far the team's postseason run progresses each season. The Tampa Bay Bucks showed how quickly the Chiefs' offensive can struggle when Mahomes is constantly having to run to avoid pressure. Eichenberg provides the Chiefs a potential long-term option to plug and play along the offensive line. Eichenberg may not be there at Kansas City's second pick in the second round, and from a technique perspective, he is one of the more ready prospects for the Chiefs. Uh, When I asked if there was anybody else they would consider, the Chiefs need to come away with picks at offensive tackle, defensive end, wide receiver, center, and linebacker. It was a struggle not to take Jason Oway out of Penn State, but the draft was posed uh, with how it went. As you know, with, with, they, with what was on the board, they felt Eichenberg was a better pick. I believe that players like Zayvon Collins, Tevin Jenkins, Rashad Bateman, Quiddy Pay, Kadarius Toney, and Terrace Marshall would all be in consideration at this spot, depending on how the board fell. If the Chiefs didn't get a tackle in the first round, I see a player like Brady Christensen out of BYU being a higher priority on their board later in the draft. Uh, I believe there is a chance that the, the Chiefs could move down. They need impact players at least three to four spots in this draft with some the recent draft struggles since 2017. Only Patrick Mahomes remains from the 2017 class. Three remain from 2018, but only one starts. So uh, they continue to try and find better ways for their players to hit. He said, he said Brett Feach can add the second, third, or fourth rounds, better chances uh, for them to hit on some players. So Ben, Liam Eikenberg to Kansas City. Yeah, there's a little bit of a drought in offensive linemen there. I think about 10 picks since the Colts took Tevin Jenkins. I see Landon Dickerson also there, 23rd to the Jets, uh, more of an interior guy. But Eichenberg is a guy I've been comparing to all season and offseason to two guys, Anthony Costanzo and Mitchell Schwartz. Mm. And Mitchell Schwartz, obviously the Chiefs moving on from Fisher and Schwartz. You go and get a guy that kind of resembles both of them. Uh, and I think he's going to be a really great fit. There's obviously a need for tackle. Just had to figure out when this next wave of tackle was going to go and who was the priority, whether it was we've seen guys like Mayfield. I really thought Samuel Cosby might be the pick here, as some people have him as a top 50 selection. Dylan Radunes, Alex Leatherwood. It's a deep tackle class. Brady Christensen's another guy. Some teams are higher on than most, maybe a second-round pick. But just figuring out when that next wave is going to go and what the pecking order is because it's different from every team. But the Chiefs clearly have a need here at tackle. And another team, I think if they're sitting here looking at Liam Eikenberg in the face at 31, they're going to be a team kind of calling up the other teams to say, hey, come get Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. 
hey, come get, you know, maybe uh, Gregory Rousseau. Come get Rondale Moore. Come get your guy here at the end of round one. Trade with us. We'll gladly take two second-round picks for the spot. All right, well, we've got one more pick here. The 32nd overall pick, the Tampa Bay Bucks, And we're going to go talk with Trevor Sykema from the Draft Network, the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Tampa Bay. Trey, who better talk about the Bucks than a guy with Tampa Bay in his Twitter handle? So we're going to go to Trevor uh, to make the selection. And the pick is in with the 32nd pick in the 2021 Journey to the Draft Mock Draft extravaganza. The Tampa Bay Bucks select Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, linebacker, Notre Dame. Bucks general manager Jason Light consider, consistently tries to put the Buccaneers in a position of best player available for draft weekend. This season, that goal was accomplished more than maybe any other team we've ever seen as the Bucks brought back almost their entire Super Bowl depth chart, not just starters. If Owusu Koromoa makes it to number 32, he will be a Buccaneer. Despite having both Levante David and Devin White, Owusu Koromoa will be coveted by Todd Bowles' defensive staff and the draft decision makers as a whole. With strong safety Jordan Whitehead in a contract year, Owusu Koromoa can truly be a linebacker safety hybrid for the Bucks in his rookie season and grow into a more prominent role as the years go on. It's not the kind of pick that immediately fills a starting need, but it's the one that would have the biggest impact over the course of his rookie contract. So, Ben, uh, JOK, sliding this far all the way to 32. Uh, look, we, we could never say, oh, that'll never happen, because guess what? We just painted the picture where it happened. What would you think if uh, if he fell that far? Well, I think the Bucs are sitting pretty here with not a whole lot of needs. They're pretty much re-racking the Super Bowl roster. Great draft last year with Tristan Wirfs and Antoine Winfield and turning right around and getting JOK here in the first round. 32nd overall, another potential defensive rookie of the year candidate here. Just trying to figure out where they'll play him. Uh, probably in that third safety kind of sub-package group. But this is a really good-looking roster that I thought maybe there could be a wild-card chance they go after like a Davis Mills here. Mm. You know, considering they have Brady, they could really use kind of an upgrade to the backup or maybe develop a guy behind the scenes for a year or two. Currently only Ryan Griffin here behind Tom Brady. Could they be in such a fat and cocky spot of just saying, you know what, we don't really have any needs. Let's start planning for the future and look at some good value picks. So, you know, whether it's Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, maybe adding another weapon around Brady and around Delmore, Kadarius Tony, but uh, a lot of interesting options on the board there. I would just, it would just be way too much talent to add like an Onzarike or more trench players to this already deep group. It just wouldn't be fair. But Koromoa is a really interesting guy that if they want Devin White being more of a pass rusher on third down, that could be Owusu Koromoa and Levante David to kind of be the sub-package dime linebackers. So I want to ask you about the players. We've obviously finished. That's 32 picks. I want to ask you the, the most surprising guys to fall out of the first round while you kind of ponder that. I'll just make a little quick little recap here. We had quarterbacks go one, two, three, four to Jacksonville Jets, San Francisco 49ers and the Falcons. Then you had the two big pass catchers, Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts go five, six. Penny Sewell and Rashawn Slater, the two offensive linemen, go seven and eight. Then we go defense. We've got Micah Parsons at nine. Dallas, uh, Dallas taking Patrick Sertan at number 10, which started a little Alabama run where you have Devontae Smith at 11 to the Giants, Jalen Waddell at 12 to the Eagles. Then you've got J.C. Horn at corner going to the Chargers at 13. Jalen Phillips at 14 to the Minnesota Vikings. At 15, the fifth quarterback goes off the board to the Patriots. That's Mac Jones. At 16, you've got Aziz Ojolari for our, going to Arizona. Las Vegas taking Christian Darashaw, the offensive tackle for Virginia Tech. Zayvon Collins, the linebacker from Tulsa, going to the Miami Dolphins at 18. And then Washington taking offensive lineman Elijah Vera Tucker at number 19. Getting into the number 20 pick, you've got Chicago taking Caleb Farley at corner. 
You've got the Colts taking offensive tackle Tevin Jenkins. Tennessee taking wide receiver Rashad Bateman. At 23, Landon Dickerson, maybe one of the shocking picks of the first round. At center, from Alabama, going to the New York Jets. His Alabama teammate, Najee Harris, going at 24 to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Then you've got Trevon Merrig, the safety from TCU. First safety off the board to the Jacksonville Jaguars at 25. Quiddy Pay ends his slide, going number 26 to the Cleveland Browns. Terrace Marshall, wide receiver, LSU, goes to the Baltimore Ravens. Greg Newsom, the corner from Northwestern, goes at number 28 to the New Orleans Saints. Christian Barmore from Alabama, going number 29 to Green Bay. Then you've got Elijah Moore at 30 to Buffalo. Liam Eikenberg at 31 to Kansas City. And then his Notre Dame teammate, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, going number 32 to the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers. Ben, the best players left. Who, uh, who were you shocked that didn't go off the board here in the first round? Well, kind of a big slide on some of these edge rushers trying to figure out where this next wave go after Phillips and Ojolari and Quiddy Pay. That means Jason Owe is still on the board. Carlos Boogie Basham still on the board. Uh, Gregory Rousseau is still on the board, who a lot of people had as a top 10 pick for pretty much the last calendar year, uh, despite opting out and being a pretty young one-year player. A, little, a lot of interesting defensive backs as well. So you're going to have Asante Samuel Jr. right there. Uh, Kelvin Joseph, Afati Melifanu, Aaron Robinson at UCF is a guy that Daniel Jeremiah put in the first round uh, two months ago. So a guy that certainly was warranted of that spot. A lot of interesting athletes at linebacker. Kind of surprised Jameen Davis didn't go. I expect him to be one of the first picks off the board here in the second round. Again, these interior defensive linemen, where do they go? Davion Nixon and Levi Onzarike. It's not a deep group. Typically, that's going to push those top guys up a little bit higher. They're still sitting on the board there. And some really interesting guys with the ball in their hands, Rondell Moore, Kadarius Toney, but the running backs have to go too. Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, some really good picks there at the top of round two. This was a, uh, a marathon podcast. My voice is starting to go, but I've got one final question for you. Did you have fun? It was your first one. What'd you think of the, uh, the mock draft extravaganza? Yeah, it's a really interesting perspective. I'm just kind of seeing uh, a realistic scenario of how the board could potentially fall. Um, and that's what these mock draft generators and machines are all about. Just trying to put yourself into real situations and see how the board falls uh, and what, may be available to you or the different scenarios that can happen in front of you. The draft is such an unpredictable animal. Everybody wants to know what's going to happen. Uh, that's really not my market. As you know, I just like to know what the players do well and don't do well and educate people on the prospects. But now as we start turning the page into where do they go and in what pecking order and who takes who it's all over the place. And it's just really fun to have an exercise with very educated minds with very realistic picks for their teams. Well, Ben, uh, this was a lot of fun. And the uh, next time we will talk to you, the Eagles will have made their first pick in the 2021 NFL draft. So me, you, Possibly. Dean Brugler. Well, yeah, I would say I would say so. Sitting at 12, <laughs> my, my guess is they will be taking somebody uh, in round one. Uh, you know, I, we will talk to you the, the night of the first night of the draft, uh, which will drop on Friday morning. Before then, myself, Greg Cosell, Dane Brugler, we will be doing a fan Q&A, a draft mailbag episode of the Journey to the Draft podcast. Make sure if you are listening to this right now, I need them by Tuesday afternoon. We are recording that Q&A episode Tuesday afternoon. So go on over to Apple Podcasts or hit me up on Twitter at EaglesXOs. Get your questions in, and I will get them answered by the great Dane Brugler and Greg Cosell. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Journey to the Draft podcast. The draft's almost here. Looking for a unique experience for the young Eagles fan in your life? Eagles Virtual Youth Football and Cheerleading Clinics are now being offered on May 16th. Register today at PhiladelphiaEagles.com slash clinics.